Welcome to SEC Football Live. That is Chris Childers. I am Braden Gall. This is a Wednesday, and we are live, of course, across all platforms. So if you'd like to ask some questions, please jump into the comment section. If you have a dog uh, and he'd like to be on the show or she'd like to be on the show, please jump into the comment section. Uh, and of course, please share the product. So if you would like to click subscribe on the YouTube page or share on Twitter, uh, of course, or on Facebook or YouTube, we'd appreciate it. But go ahead and jump into the comments. We will take questions because my main man, Chris Childers, is here. Childers, good to see you, my friend. How are you? What's up? And I will have a dog that will participate a time or two. Um, she, Millie, is just a... she. She's on full ride all the time. She goes on the SEC today. Uh, she just won't shut the hell up. She's got opinions. I don't know what she's saying, but she's got opinions on the SEC. So uh, that'll happen. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for asking me to be a part of it today. What a nosy bitch. Um, did, literally. Did you, literally. <laughs> no, my mother, my mother, who has never said a bad word in her entire life, like cannot, will not, you've known my, you've met my mother. Yeah. She's, will never cuss. Never says bad word, does mm -hmm. not like do anything wrong in her life at all. Uh, my childhood was filled with like these little moments because we had we had two female dogs through the course of my childhood to where she would just be like, oh, she's acting like such a bitch. And then she would giggle like a like a school child. Like she got yeah. away with like she, she got, got away, away with away murder. With something. Yes. yes. She's like, Jesus won't judge me because <laughs> because I said, <laughs> because it's the appropriate term for female dog. Um, no, today on the show, there's some news for the Alabama coaching staff. So we'll get into that. Of course, they've upgraded some names there. Finally filling the gap left by Ryan Grubb. We've got some rule changes mm -hmm. in college football that I want to ask you about. And, of course, we've got, um, you know, we'll have some time at the end of the show if you want to ask us any questions about our very sultry and torrid past. But that who knows? Who knows? You may not be interested in any of that. It is torrid, isn't it? <laughs> How long uh, have I known you for It's now? something. What year um, is it? 2024? You, you took me out to a, to really, to a really fancy meal. Yeah. Um, I sat at that table the other day. Appetizer trio, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> triple play, Southwest egg rolls in 2005. Okay. Uh, in Brentwood, Tennessee, which is a suburb South of Nashville, Tennessee. We were both working for rivals.com at the time, or I was trying to work for rivals.com at the time. And then you and I helped start and launch and uh, develop rivals radio. And then the rest, as they say, is history. So it's been a long time, uh, weddings and children. And now of course, live streaming on YouTube. So, so music the, festivals have happened. Show. Pl plenty of music festivals yes. um, that I don't I don't know if we can tell all those stories, but we'll see. Um, I was thinking about one we went to the other day where I ended up in the medical tent. Remember that? Oh, shit. That's right. After the Chris Cornell show, I couldn't. I was like seeing stars. And, that's right. That was yeah. that was your that was Hangout Fest, right? It was, that was Hangout uh, Fest. And I was yeah. on blood pressure medicine. Oh, and I didn't realize that. that like extreme heat and tequila didn't mix with that. So. It was a nor, bad idea. nor does a solo Chris Cornell set with nine guitars, no other musicians, yeah. and like two in the afternoon heat on the yeah. Beat. That was so. uh, that ended me in the. Uh, that, we could talk about that one, but that's about <laughs> it. Everything else is is. There were naked limits. people. There were naked folks that weekend. We don't need to discuss. That. Hangout it's fest for those that haven't been, and it's southeastern territory in Mo in uh, Mobile. It is it go is. if you're a young single whippersnapper. It's the place to be, right? Like it's the place to go. It it was one of the most beautiful parties I've ever been to. Ever. And I I had ever. not met my I had not met my wife at that time, so I'm allowed yeah. to say that. So, oh, uh, all right. So we we've got all this kind of news ish stuff happening in in the in the conference with Chris Del Conte accidentally, the Texas athletic director, accidentally telling everybody that we're going to have a nine game conference schedule, which I think we we know, and I've kind of reported, like I've I've heard from the sec office that the sec office clearly wants this and there's a reason because they want to sell more high-priced inventory to television partners and to their season ticket holders so it makes total sense um so that's sort of like an accidental whoops uh we're going to a nine-game conference model but also the playoff the board of managers for college football approved the five and seven model uh which is good of course for the sec there's an extra at-large spot there'll be fewer spots that are taken up by conference champions. So that is good news for the SEC in theory, because Greg Sankey has said, look, we would do, we would do 12 at large spots and feel very comfortable with us getting like half the teams in. And right now they're eight of the top 15 in our preseason top 25 rankings. So um, I thought, I thought I'd have you on today, Chris, to sort of think outside the box and say, look, wh what does the conference look like in 20 years from now? We're headed down these weird roads with scheduling and tournaments and postseason and rules and transferring and portals and coaching and breakaways and all this stuff. And I just want I wanted to be like, hey, Childers, 
this is like you and I driving down the interstate back home from a music festival. What 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 is the perfect version of the SEC? And I want to do that uh, here in just a second. But if you have questions, of course, um, we will take them in the comment section on YouTube. So Sandman, for example, watch this. Sandman says, "What's the what is best for the SEC? Find a way to lure Notre Dame into the fold." I'm glad you asked that, Sandman, because I actually don't think Notre Dame in the SEC is my ideal landing spot. I know you have some background with Notre Dame, but we can get to that. I actually think it, it's better for Notre Dame to be in the Big Ten and for that to be a, a north-south rivalry for the SEC. But your thoughts on the SEC going to get Notre Dame before we kind of branch off into a larger conversation? It would be – to me, it would literally feel like hell froze over. As somebody who grew up in the Midwest that kind of knows the the arrogance of the Notre Dame fan, you know, they're kind of this highfalutin – wine and cheese drinking eating you know i go to tailgates there they have like fancy bloody marys that they, yeah, they like do. it's they're not you know coors lights Michelob ultra drinking kind of guys they're and it's snobby. just a, and it's just a parking lot well a parking lot there's jesus on the other side of the stadium there's jesus but, in the parking yeah. lot at the library yeah there's also <laughs> a little bar coincidentally called the varsity in the parking <laughs> lot yeah um which i've been to many times over the years and every time Every time I swear to you, every time I go in, Tony Rice is sitting at the bar, who is the 1988 national championship quarterback for Notre Dame. Every time it's I feel like, like that's, that's where this, he lives. He, he's there, Steven Garcia. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and he just sits there, and people are like, Oh, you won the championship the last time you're a god. And he's lived yeah, off yeah. that since 88. Do you ever go up and buy him a drink? Never. Like, hey, other hey, people Tony. do that. I don't think he's ever bought one in the, the however many wise. years he's been sitting yeah. in that stool. Um, I think it would, there's no way I, Notre Dame wouldn't do that to themselves. They don't, as much as I love the sec, they don't look at themselves as sec no. material. No. The big 10, if the issues ever forced and it might be, but the big 10 would be that landing spot yeah. to me, we go get, you know, if the, if the ACC breaks apart and there's that little detail that we saw last week, in the legal proceedings that open the door for it. If that happens, add them. You know what I mean? Do things that make sense for the SEC, but I don't think Notre Dame makes sense for the SEC. So I, I expansion is absolutely on, on my list, but I don't think I, I think for I don't think a permanent SEC only breakaway, whether that's 16 teams, 20 teams, 24 teams, whatever you want to call it. I don't think the SEC breaking away from the rest of the country and just sort of doing its own thing, which is certainly like, look, they're going to threaten that they are. They're going to have voting control in two years with the Big Ten, and they're going to be able to decide whatever they fucking want to do. But I don't think that them being all by themselves, the SEC and us down here just having our own tournament and our own this and our own that. And like, well, it will feel great and lovely and wonderful. And that 10 game SEC schedule was awesome during the pandemic or whatever. Like, I get why people are like, why the fuck do we need anybody else? The game is better as a whole. Everyone makes more money when it's a national sport. The teams make more money. The conferences make more money. And honestly, I think part of the, what makes the regionality of college football so powerful is this like history of the North versus the South. And like this, we are, we don't have pro football. We are obsessed with college football. This is our thing. You guys like the NFL up North. So we're going to whip your ass. Like, I think there's a North South thing that has to exist in the future of college football. And I think it will honestly. I think we are going to have 24 teams in the SEC, whatever that's called in the future, and 24 teams in the Big Ten, whatever that's called in the future. And it's going to be like the North and the South. It's just going to be called the North and the South. I think that's what I would do if I was in charge because I need that. I, I want I that too, rivalry. I, I really believe the commissioners are going to allow access to. I, you know, from talking to Greg Sankey, I have been on Greg's ass about um, relegation and promotion for years. We, I have talked to him about it. I've pulled him aside. I, I've explain to him like no like this dude let's talk about this in a realistic way yeah um i think if we get to two power leagues we have to have some level where we're not killing those other schools where we're letting them have a bite at the apple where they can get access to the prizes they can get access to the sec they can get access to the big 10 but i don't think that's a pipe dream anymore I think we're going there. I really do. I think we're going to the two mega leagues. And I think so we don't kill off 
a third or more of college football, even half if you add the group of five, so we don't just completely ruin them. I think we're going to add some sort of access. And why wouldn't we do that? Why There's only a handful of programs in America that are halves. There's going to be plenty of teams in that 2014 league that aren't, you know, big time mega money programs. There's only, you know, so many Ohio States, Alabama's uh, programs like that that exist in America that really, truly compete for the prizes and are funded at the highest of levels. So to me, give access to everybody, anybody who wants to fund their way in and commit their way in to the league you have access to do it based on what you do on the playing field. And if you piddle around and you twiddle your thumbs like Vanderbilt, you're out. You're done. <laughs> well, it's, You have no place in the SEC. You're out. I, I do think, and I'm, I want to hear what you have That's to say. That's my dream, and I think it could happen. I do. Well, I, I think the relegation, for those that don't know, of course, is a, if you finish, basically if you're the champion of the Sun Belt, or in this case, maybe the Big 12, if you're the champion of a lower-level league, you have a chance to move up into the SEC. If you're the last-place team, you move down. Uh, th that could... I think that's the case if we stick at like 16 or even 18. I think if we get to like 24 teams, which is possible, then I think I don't think that's on the table to to your point. But I the ultimate question there is, and I've talked to folks, um, and I talked to Feinbaum about, about this. I said, who is if this is about brands and that's what TV is going to pay for in the future, who in the SEC should be worried? And he's like, Kentucky football. And I'm like, I don't know if we're ever going to do that. I think Vanderbilt is an easy one. You can circle and be like, look, y'all. You have no value. You, just you don't. don't You don't add much value. And tradition is great until tradition sucks. And then you got to change tradition. And so I, while I don't like it, and I know I've got tons of friends here in Nashville who are huge Vanderbilt people, like I, I think they might be better served in a different situation. Um, but if that's the case, who are they going to get? And especially to your point about some of the information that leaked out this week, that maybe there's some, some cracks in the grant of rights armor there for the ACC. I, I don't think there is, but we'll see. I think North Carolina is obviously a, a, a big one, Virginia tech. And I think you just, just go get Florida state and Clemson and you get the big dogs and you just keep building a football powerhouse. That would be my I first agree. wave. That That's my first wave of dream scenario. My second wave of dream scenario. Again, this is just in my head. I don't need explanations for it. I want Oklahoma State to put it back together with Oklahoma. I want maybe West Virginia because they're fucking crazy and they act like SEC people. Yeah, they are. NC State. They burn they, stuff. They do burn stuff. And NC State, just to package with North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I think NC State's got a really rowdy fan base. And Louisville to package with Kentucky. I, that gets you to 23 if you lose Vanderbilt. So then you can maybe add, I don't know, it's school from Texas, like TCU or Texas Tech or... You know, I don't think there's anybody else in the ACC that is of note. But again, that would get you to my perfect model would be 24 teams. And no, here's the other thing. No conference championship game. No. conference. Yeah, well, championship you don't need it at that point. Conference championship games are just a money grab as it is. So you don't need that extra money grab when you have a system like that. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it sounds good. I think we are going to get to those two mega divisions. If the SEC were to threaten and pull away from college football, I'm done. I, I'm just I I have no interest in a lot of what's happening, but I love going to a college campus. I love going to a game. I love the bands, the students, all of that. That's still happening. But Rick Neuheisel has gone, has discussed this with me many times, and I'm curious how you think it's gonna go. Rick is convinced we're really close to private equity in college athletics. Oh, that would fuck us all up, man. Big time. Uh, and if that, and I told Rick, if that happens, I'm out. That's the only, that's the only care. thing that would destroy the game. And it will destroy the game because you've taken everything we love about it. <sighs> all the purity, all the, even if there is no purity, like the, the little nuggets of purity that we have, like just that you and I go into Knoxville years ago for that Baker Mayfield game. And just what the atmosphere and campus felt like that day. Because these students, you know, they're they're young, they're stupid, they're drunk, they're excited. You start making this my professionalized. <laughs> yeah. You start making it professionalized minor league sports. I, yeah. I have no interest in that. I don't watch minor league baseball. Well, and th so, okay. I wasn't going to go private equity, but I think I'm glad you brought it up because I don't think we've talked about it much with our SEC audience here. Mm -hmm. And that is 
Look, all this stuff that we're complaining about, roster management, you got it, you got Sean Elliott leaving Georgia State to go be a tight ends coach at South Carolina. I know he's getting out in front of the posse at Georgia State potentially on the hot seat, and his family's from South Carolina, and he's 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 that's where he's from, and I get all that. But but head coaches leaving to go be position coaches is unusual, and that's a statement of where we are. But all this stuff that coaches complain about and administrators complain about and people in the media like you and I complain about doesn't actually still affect the Saturday. The Saturday is still holy. The Saturday is still sacred. It's still great. It's still spectacular. Even with a 24-team league, you would still get elite games, great matchups, et cetera, et cetera. The game is still great. Private equity ruins everything. Because yeah. what, is, what does private equity do? They, they maximize efficiency and they destroy all the excess. And what is a college football program? Excess. It's, it's 37 graduate assistants yeah, sitting in the same, room, yes. same room as Kalen DeBoer or Nick Saban. Like layers upon layers of inefficiency is all. Hey, I'm a I'm a big pound booster who makes a fortune. I well, want to waste see, millions of dollars. You can see why private equity would be um, intrigued because the money making ability in college athletics is huge. I mean, it's huge business. And the current businesses are managed by idiots. I mean, it, it's well, it's not idiots. It's that it's it's the inefficiency is inherent. It's in, amazing. Like I, but it's I'm amazing a, inefficiency. It's <laughs> amazing bungling of budgets. It's a, like Arizona, yeah. for example. That's incredible. Well, okay, you're talking about like people that actually do stupid business. I'm talking about how do you win in Texas at Texas A&M? You win by being rich enough. To spend seventy-five million dollars to fire somebody, private equity would never let that happen. No, you see what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you uh, Yellowwood guy has earned the right to waste millions of dollars mm -hmm. on recruits if he what fucking wants to, and he, that is the beauty of the game is you can just waste money on stuff because you love it. You're a fan. Fan is not. It's not logical. It's not reasonable. We are irrational, and we pour money into sixteen-year-old kids. <laughs> the, private equity would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like we're yeah, going to slice the dice. And even just the, the term private equity to me, this is collegiate athletics. This is the spirit of your school. This is an extension of you went to Tennessee and on Saturday I hang out with my buddies and I tailgate and I go sit in the student section and I go nutty for my alma mater. That's a part of the experience. Now we're just funneling more money into some rich guy's pocket and licensing out yeah. our logo. Like, what are yeah. we doing? No, I, I do think that as long as we keep, because also here's the other thing, like what has private equity ever made better? Like in, in, a, in the history of our country, I'm not sure anything. So I don't think it, the, the problem is that like you can't tell LSU people to not be like to, to stop with the excess. <laughs> like, no, their I entire existence I, is excess. It's likely coming. I mean, it, it, I oh, wouldn't be shocked God. if we, if we get this way, this is really the last couple of years. I, you do it. I do it. We've dedicated our lives to something. We dedicated our lives to covering collegiate athletics and what we grew up with watching felt a certain way. It felt there was something about it that was so like, this doesn't feel like pro sports. And because of it, I love it. It was imperfect. I, yes. But yeah. it was this beautiful imperfection. Yeah, I agree. That I think just kind of drew us all in like flies. There was something about the college sports fans mentality that set in college sports was set apart where you just kind of this was this was special. It was unique. It was like the creative person's version of sport in America. All the little bells and whistles and the bands and the fans and the students and all that that were added to it. The tailgating, the you know, whatever. Now that we've turned it into what it's become post Alston, which was June 21st, 2021. I like to call that the day the music died for the NCAA, the day that amateurism died completely. Now we've gone into this. What are we? Who are we? Do I even like this anymore? Am I a fan of what it, this like? That's how I feel. I, I, I agree with you. And I think it's all going to settle. But as long as the and this is where I actually I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm on the side of the big money boosters here. I think the big money boosters like look at Auburn. Auburn is never going to like the big money boosters that sort of actually run things at Auburn. They're never going to give up control. So I, I will I would guess that the big money boosters, it's sort of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And private equity is the enemy of an SEC programs, most uh, influential and powerful boosters having that influence and power and they're not going to give it up easy. So I do think that strangely enough, like 
I, these all these boosters for all these these teams and these programs would come together and they would sit down with Greg Sankey and they would sit down with whoever the new commissioner of college football is and they'd be like, look, y'all, like we. We, 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 we're, we'll let you collectively bargain. We'll let you re revenue share with players. We'll let you give them salaries. We'll call them employees. We'll do all the shit. We'll change the portal. We'll change the, we'll expand the, the to, to 24 teams. We'll have two power divisions. We'll do all of this stuff because the game still stays the same on Saturday. But the second you get private equity involved, you're, you're removing all of the things that make a program go. Yeah. And and I think that would ruin. The, I think that I think you're right. That would yeah. ruin the game. I think the boosters will keep that. Was, and that's not it. My my dream for the SEC is not to have yeah, Yellowwood running the Auburn Tigers. That would be very. That would just really turn me off. Yeah, yeah. So do so. You're you're gonna. Your dream is not an SEC only. Because here's the thing, it, Sankey has threatened SEC only tournament. Right. It's just him, like you know, saber rattling for lack of a better term. Yeah. Cause they're like, y'all got to vote on some shit guys. Let's go. We got $8 billion sitting on the table. We got to sign this contract. Let's go. ESPN's going to pay us. We need to get this thing in order. We need to figure it out. That's why we got the five and seven model, which again is good for the sec. But ultimately I, what would happen is without an sec championship game and two divisions, North and South, a la the NFL, you would then have like an sec only playoff. So here's ultimately my question. Do you want to have like, like the AFC or the NFC, where you have an SEC-only playoff, which, again, could include teams like North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State. Pick pick whoever you want to be a part of this league moving forward that's expanded. Do you want it to be the North champion and the South champion, like Game of Thrones style every year in the championship game? Do we want it to be 12 at-large bids? Like, what, what's the structure? Is it 6-6? Six and six? Is it 8-8? Eight and eight? Like, what's 7-7 seven and seven like the NFL? Like, what's the structure that you'd want to see a championship decided. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting to me because I think we should do that. Those two sides, right? Like do North versus the South, like not that we have a civil war kind of thing that I'm, I'm looking for every year, but, um, I mean, or yes, or kind of, I mean, that's yeah. how, that's how the rivalry got started. Like y'all won, won the I war growing <laughs> up. I grew up on the Northern side of it. Right. So I grew up in the Chicagoland area. I grew up as a Notre Dame fan. I grew up as this guy that went to Big Ten games and grew up at Welsh Ryan Stadium, you know, and all those things. Northwestern. The historic uh, grounds. Yes. That's I was Big Ten through and through. I didn't give a shit about the southeastern part of the country. And then to me and we made fun of it. We, it, you know, we talked, made fun of the accents and made fun of their, you know, Peyton Manning having two teeth, we would always joke, and, and like, all these things, you know, like, we don't respect the South when you're from the North. Now, I've changed, and obviously I've lived in the South for a long time, and I realize <laughs> that those people are idiots, but I'm telling you, there's a real thumb your nose down at the Southern part of the country. Oh, That is yes. a real thing. Yes. Um, the Southern part, I think, which is why we chanted sec, yes. which to me is still dumb. Yes. It's still dumb to do it. Now. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think that the sec fans do that anymore. I don't think it happens very no, much. Northern people think Southern people are stupid. That's no. just the truth. That that's no way. Fact. But Fact. am I okay? Am I wrong that like I used to think the sec sec chant was, was so dumb. It's like, if I'm a Tennessee fan, why am I cheering for Alabama? That hurts Tennessee's chances at getting good because it means if Alabama wins a championship, they get better players, they can recruit better, et cetera, et cetera. I never understood the SEC, SEC chain. And I think it's gone away. I don't know about you, but I haven't, I don't hear it very much. I don't see it on social media. I don't hear it on, on talk shows. Like, I don't, I think I don't everybody's confused still now. <laughs> it's not that they're not like loving their league. They're like, who's in our league? You mean I Texas think he, we're cheering for? We're cheering I think, for? I think everybody came around on. Uh, like if 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 I'm a Tennessee fan and Georgia keeps doing good things, like I kind of need them to lose. Like I don't want Michigan to win, but I don't want Georgia to win either. Because if Georgia wins, then Kirby recruits even better. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like I don't. I don't. I know. never had an issue with it. I I don't All mind. Right. You know, like to me, because here's here's what it is. It's the South banded together that we're the best. We're the best league. We got the best players. We dominate the NFL. And if it's not going to be my team, I'm rooting for our league because our league feeds right. off each other. If it's not my team this year, it's going to be my team next year, the year after that. I think they feed off each other. I really do. Um, 
I've certainly, never had an issue. Push each other. Yeah, I've never had an issue with the SEC SEC thing. But I would say this: the Midwestern fan doesn't get it. It's like the Midwestern fan doesn't understand what a Southern person wears to a football game. Midwestern fans, I I talked to um, Melissa Joan Hart about this before, and it's one of my favorite stories. Melissa big Joan Al- Hart was a big Alabama fan. Big right? Alabama fan yeah. through her husband. So. Clarissa for, for Clarissa, you young folks. For you young yes, folk. <laughs> exactly. And I think she was on a show called um, Sabrina Something the Teenage else. Witch. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. But Melissa was on and she talked about her first Alabama game. So her husband is a huge Alabama fan, takes her to a game. And she, you know, is doesn't know what to wear. So she tells her husband, let's go to the bookstore. You know, so let me get some stuff. So she go, goes and buys, you know, buys things. So she's dressed like a football fan would dress to a Midwestern game. She's got an Alabama shirt on. She's got like little elephant earrings she bought at the bookstore. She's got a hat. She's got like, you know, sports You're talking fan about apparel. Like, like Ohio State, like a, like a University of Illinois mom. Yes. <laughs> she didn't realize you're supposed to wear like your Sunday's best yeah, yeah. to the football game and look like you're going out. I'm more of a hoodie guy anyway, though. You Me know? too. Like... I got... I got bitched at so dude. I went to an Alabama game. I was taking my wife. We were um on our way to, to Mobile for something. And so Alabama happened to be playing Fresno and somebody asked me to go to the game. So I was like, we'll just stop through, go. What the hell? I mean, headed to Mobile for something, as one want to yeah, do. Yeah, as, as one tends to do. Um, but I was going to Mobile. Go check we'll out the Selma there. Bridge. <laughs> And this guy who listens to Full Ride was like, hey, you should, you know, come to the, the president's mansion tailgate. It was the second week of the season. It was 95 degrees outside. Oh, God. I'm wearing shorts because, of course, <laughs> you're not a lot. And it's outside of the president's mansion, not inside of it. Uh, long and pants I only. I got destroyed for wearing shorts. By who? By the people that were there. They were like, you can't like this. Come on, you got to wear slacks. And I'm like, it's 95 or at a football yeah, game. Yeah. I wore a, I wore, I, I deigned to wear a polo to the Grove one time, and was wearing just a polo, like a polo with a, co- a shirt with a collar. Yeah, at at the Grove, I was like, oh, this is dressed up for a football game. Is that not like it's, at the Grove? It's bright, it's bright orange. <laughs> yeah, it's a bright, it's a bright orange polo. But there, but people were like, I was dating a girl at the time who was an old, old Miss fan. Yeah, and we went down, and actually, it was the game that Dexter McCluster went for like uh-huh. 275 yards and five touchdowns. And um, anyway, I but I'm but it's a polo. It's not. I don't have a sport coat on. You know, I'm not wearing a, a dinner jacket. I'm not wearing seersucker. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have shrimp cocktail set up. There's not a chandelier, a, gl- a fake glass Dude, chandelier ready to so go. The seersucker suit. <laughs> What are we doing at a football game? Uh, look, I'm a hood. I'm a hoodies Wild. and jeans. Hoodies Me too. And jeans. Be yeah. comfortable. No, I agree. Sears sucker suit. It sounds so anyways, like we're, it sounds like we're ripping on the, the SEC. <laughs> needs to happen. It needs to happen. It needs yeah. to be a thing. It needs to. Trust me, it's good for the game, it's good for the product, and it's good for interest. Well, and not to go too deep into like the the stereotype of the South, and I think this is ultimately what makes me so proud to be a Southerner. And that my, you know, my wife was born in Nashville. My daughters are born here. Like sure. I've, I've lived in Texas, Georgia, Austin and Dallas and Nashville, basically since 1988, since I was like five and I'm 41 now. So I am, I'm lived in, I'm, I'm basically a Southerner at this point. Grits, sweet tea, ranch dressing, baby all day. But, <laughs> but what I think is interesting is what I find so fascinating about the South is that we are so much more complicated than that perception is from the North and the North is so much more red ass and dumb as shit yes. in the rural areas than anyone yes. in the north wants to admit. Dude, <laughs> they're all red ass. If you <laughs> get just... outside of the cities, yes, like yes. in Illinois, I'm they're from rednecks Illinois. In, they're rednecks in every state in this great country. Ohio yeah. is redneckified as it ever gets. Wisconsin might as well be the Alabama of the north, but worse okay. because yeah. like. You ever walked into a Wisconsin bowling alley and just seen what what's in there? I mean, I'm telling you, like they are just because they're like they're it's not like, like Southern. They're like the Harley Davidson fat slob. Uh, you know what okay. I mean? Like, all right, the, all right. That's, that's that's my home state. All right, come the, on. I I grew up 20 minutes from the border. I love I it too, but it's <laughs> it's not exactly the the highest clientele. 
what we're getting at here is that the North and the South has to be a primary has part of the future of college football. Yeah. Because listen to what we just talked about. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's all real. All oh, that's I agree. real. Having lived in I both agree. parts of the country. Like if you, when I told my friends that I was going to middle Tennessee state university, they thought I was like joining an episode of yeehaw. Like, <laughs> like I was going to hang out with Minnie Pearl and grandpa Jones or like, they couldn't fathom. You're not going to a Big Ten and, school. And and here's what? the other thing. Here's the other thing. And I this this is not meant to be an anti Big Ten thing, but I have so like you, I have covered the entire sport for my entire career. So I have a lot of fan friends, reactions, family, media people that I know that cover the Big Ten. People that cover Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan sure. State, like not elite programs that win national championships, but good programs, teams that win a lot of football games. And what what they refuse to acknowledge is that there is some difference in the in the programs and like while i do not love the it just means more thing like i think that's it's a brilliant marketing strategy by the conference but i think it's like a totally overplayed kind of silly corporate generate it's like it's like it came out of the corporate buzzword generator you know that they've got in the back room and it's like come on man let's but be... it's worked for them i mean people reference but, it all the time but what people in like and again, Iowa and Wisconsin, for example, two very good programs that have won 10 games like dozens of times over the last few years, like very good programs, never sniffed a national title is because they just aren't they don't understand the quality of depth and commitment and resources and investment and mm -hmm. time. They don't they just don't they don't get it. I, I was working with somebody for I was doing I do shows for ESPN freelance and I was working with a guy from Milwaukee who's covers their they have the, the the badgers the packers and the bucks on their station and i was like how many segments a week do you guys talk about the wisconsin badgers and he's like one a show out of 16 we do one a show on the badgers it is all packers and in milwaukee bucks and it's like it's just pro football matters so much more no brewers very little brewers but really like Okay. Now, now this was this was in the off season. This was okay. like, this was like December and January. So I guess maybe that's maybe when maybe I asked. Changes in the summer, but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's like Packer. Yeah, it's it, it, the point is is that if you're in Chicago, you care about the Bears. If you're in Pennsylvania, yeah. you care about it's the Steelers different. and the Eagles. If you if you're in Ohio, you care about the Bengals and the Browns. Ohio State takes a big chunk of that. Mm -hmm. That's not it's not how it works down here, and they don't understand that. That they don't get that, and you can't help your football team in the NFL. This goes back to private equity. You cannot be a part of the solution or the problem. <laughs> no, you just complain. You just like like the McCaskey family or the Hallis family. You just bitch. For, yeah. You just bitch. Chicago down, Bears. Down here, you got enough power. You're playing golf with Hugh Freeze on, on Monday mornings. Asking you're Yellowwood. Why, you're, why, you're paying out. Yeah. <laughs> why the fuck did you not? Why the fuck did you have a quarterback spy on fourth and oh, 31? Yeah. And you're pa buying pa out four. Gus Malzahn. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, North trying South, to pick the next coach. One, yeah, you're a pseudo owner. So no championship game for the SEC. You just want it to be like eight teams, seven teams from the SEC playing in a tournament to get to the championship game that plays the team that won the North champ, like like yes. NFC AFC. You're good with that. Yes, 100. percent I don't think the I'm Big Ten would that. win too many championships. No, but that would be and again. Then you SEC, SEC. <laughs> it'll galvanize. It'll make the region even stronger. I agree. I got a couple it'll other unite. ones. Especially if we can steal West Virginia from them, um, that state that belong that state belongs in the SEC. It does. Um, that state belongs on a different planet. They're like, yeah, they're they're like they're like a love child from if if Pittsburgh and Akron and the coal mines of Kentucky like got together in an orgy yeah. and had a love child, it would be West Virginia. Which town? What town was I in? My mom took me there. One time we had to go to like somebody's baptism and I'll never forget this guy with overalls and no shoes, like sitting on the front of the church. And he had like literally had straw hanging out of his mouth. And I was just I like, it. there it is. What that's year? What year was this? 12, maybe. So like, doesn't not that, that long. Know. That screams SEC to me, big guy. Oh, it's SEC. <laughs> <laughs> I want West Virginia. I do. I think they're great yeah. fans. I think they're rowdy. They're awesome. crazy. They're crazy people and they belong in the SEC. Couch burners. Let me let me here's the other thing. And this is a no-brainer to me. 
Yeah. These playoff games, and it's why ESPN is guaranteeing. So in their six-year, $7.8 billion contract, they have the, the right to sub-license some of those games in the new playoff out to other broadcast networks, which, frankly, I do think is a good thing for the sport. I think having more broadcast networks carry games means more coverage for the sport, which is good for the sport writ large. It also maybe means more revenue intake for the teams. So all that's good. But there's a reason ESPN is demanding control of those first four games. Because the home venues are are what sells college football. Bingo. Everybody in the SEC knows this shit. Like no, like what sells college football is Athens. It's Death Valley. It's Neyland Stadium. Yeah, Tuscaloosa, it's Kyle Field. Yeah. It's Tuscaloosa. Like these these soulless parking lots in Arlington uh-huh. and Atlanta Don't are not what's are not what sells. So every playoff game in my version of the SEC's future is SEC versus SEC in an SEC by God stadium, and on on God forbid. A fucking Saturday. Well, that's a whole nother thing. The Saturday thing. I, I wish we could take tell the NFL to fuck off. I'm so sick of them. Like, the fact that we... Have you seen some of the playoff schedules? I know. It's like Thursday night, Friday fuck night, you. Two, day, two on Saturday. Fuck yeah. you. We're, yeah. we're... Now you've got me swearing. We are a Saturday <laughs> sport. That is our day, and we feed you, NFL. We develop these kids. We... we I mean, fuck you. I, it pisses me off so bad that they do po- that to us on Saturdays. That's our day. Poetic. The fact that we're having to play tiddlywinks on Thursday night for a playoff game and the fact that we have to do these Monday nights. What? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I knew this is going to be dangerous going live with you, but here we are. Um, Pissed down. Uh, I would move the early signing period to August. By the way, uh, yes, Matt, Matt says. What happened? Matt claps. Matt's clapping. Oh, hey, what's up, Bordas? It's my guy. <laughs> hey, Bordas. Um, so I would say uh, move early signing period to August, and if you and then give pl- players outs, right? So move it to August, fix that part, put signing day back, the main signing day back in February where it used to be, um, and then you can remove that part of it. Uh, you know, you can remove that part of it on on December, so you can actually focus on being in the playoff. Um, Arlen Wright says, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Got me all pissed. You're all hot and bothered. I'm all under fired the, up now. Under Seriously. the collar. Under the collar. I don't know how you fix the portal, but here's the other thing. I do think the portal is one of the first fixes the SEC is going to execute. I think the SEC ADs and the front and the office are looking at Alabama and they're laughing right now. And they're going, look, Alabama's struggling to keep all those players, but they're going, that could be me next year. We got to fix this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know what that means though. So I don't know what you think that means. I don't know either. And Charlie Baker was just talking to ESPN saying, well, I don't don't feel bad for the coaches. You guys can leave whenever you want. So, and then he's like, Oh, our, the, our, the, the, the gallant warrior for the players rights. <laughs> he realizes though, that he has to be because oh, he's yeah. been completely chopped off yeah. his legs. I mean, the NCAA notice how he has, Never. I listened to that entire interview. You think it's his legs that have been cut off, or maybe? Well, something else? You, I was gonna say something else, but I, I've said the f word so many times. Now I'm worried that I'm in trouble. You know, with somebody. You're not in trouble. Um, not, on, not on this show. You can say whatever you want on this show. But um, <laughs> to me, like he's getting. He never mentioned amateurism. Never said the term student athlete. Very careful. Mm-hmm. And he's a politician, so he he knows he's a former governor. Um, he gets it that he's got no power. I mean, the precedent we mentioned it earlier was set June 21st, 2021. And the cat's out of the bag, man. Like you're going to go to court and get your ass kicked every time. Yep. Every yep. time. So no, I better take that tact. I, I think it's a good po- political move to be like yep. now the guy standing up for the athletes rights. And he's got a, he can do it because he wasn't the one that failed for 25 years, but it is, you it hear is him so talk compared to Emmert. It's night and day. From it's also like just coherence and I know it's also so transparent. Sense. It's so transparent. It's like, oh, we're fucked. We better solve the problem. Uh, and so now let's go out and politic or whatever. So, uh, all right. So anyway, I think ultimately, if I had to sort of boil it down to what I think the future is perfect for the SEC would be no divisions, 20 or 24 teams, add some of these big football brands, create a Southern division. I don't love changing the branding. I don't think that'll ever happen. It might just stay big 10 SEC. And we might just call it the North and South, like in our common like tongue or whatever. But like, I, I want to see seven teams from the SEC get into a playoff. The winner gets to the championship game and seven teams in the Big Ten, these 48 or 50 teams in this giant super conference. I want games played home sites. I want Saturdays. 
I want the portal fixed. I want signing day moved around. I, I, I don't think we need a championship game. I, I don't know. Players are salaried. Like to me, this is where we're headed in the early 2030s. And I think beyond, and I still think that's kind of what's best for the SEC. Cause I think the SEC and the big 10 are going to make all the decisions. Obviously. I think at that point though, I'll feel settled. I'll feel so. okay. Yeah. I'll feel settled. I'll feel okay. I'll feel like it makes sense. It's good. I'll feel like there's a direction. Um, Cause right now I don't feel that. I just feel like I'm going through puberty as a football fan. <laughs> like things feel awkward and I'm like growing hairs <laughs> in weird spots. And I'm not sure how this is supposed to feel like, do I like this? Do I My not boy, like this? It's like when you, uh, <laughs> you watch a Stanford and Wake Forest college football game in conference and your voice changes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're like, Hello. what the hell is, what the, what the hell is Georgia tech and Cal playing in an ACC game for? I it's, I know I, I, and you know, what's weird. We're still living in normal for now. We still have a couple months left with basketball, like with, you know, leagues that look normal. Yeah. And, yeah. but as soon as this academics year over, like we're going to go through the summer. Is it June 30th? September. Yeah. But we're going to like get to the first week and be like, Oh dude, it's, it, so, this it's is gonna, real. We're going to go to media days. And that whole week of media Bizarre. days is going to be so wild. Seeing Texas. And they'll, they'll be, and <laughs> I would love Venables. to be- I want to see the Big 12 do their media days in the same city at the same time as the SEC. <laughs> they should. They really should. It's like, oh, so in Fort Worth, we're going to do the SEC media days on July 15th. But across town in Dallas, yeah. we've got the Big 12 media event. Do you think they'll have a Pac-2 media day? Do you think uh, they'll entertain? Like That's so pathetic. They, have everybody go to LAX like they have in years gone by for to go meet Pat Chun. Um, well, so it's funny, like they have a voting, like, so they, the reason we have the five and seven model is that they backed out of, they, they basically abstained. They're like the New York and the Continental Congress. They're like, no, 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 you guys can form a government, but we're not going to be a part of it. We won't say no, we won't get in the way because they have a voting right right now, but they don't have access to the playoff because you have to have eight teams in your conference to have an automatic bid. So like they're, they're just, it's just Oregon state and Washington state out there, like smoking dubes, walking around in the Palouse with like nothing to do. They probably are. I mean, there's nothing else to do on the West coast. (laughs) Yes. They Uh, do have high quality. Yeah. By the way, Tyler Collins, good to see you, man. Uh, That's right. Tell us how you really feel and be descriptive. Arlen is a good question here. Um, When you say fixing, fixing the portal, uh, what do you mean um, in terms of having it closed after all the postseason games? So here's what I think. So the portal is always, is never really the problem. The portal, the problem has been the instantaneous eligibility. So what I think you're going to see is some sort of compromise on timing and on sort of destinations. Cause you can't tell them they can't transfer because coaches can, but I think there's sort of like, all right, the window will be smaller. I think there's going to be very decided and finite periods of time throughout the course of the year. When you can, and can't transfer, it's going to be even smaller and more narrow. And I think they're going to put in some sort of like, I don't know what you think, I could see it being some sort of like, all right, when you sign an LOI, here are the three you can't transfer to. Or, you know, if your coach leaves, you can transfer, but you're and you're eligible right away. But like if you transfer for another reason, you're not, or there, there's gonna be some blend of rules from the previous era and from the yeah, just to make era. it less chaotic. So, yeah. Just to make it less nuts and make it manageable so people actually know who the hell's on the roster, so kids can actually make a decent decision. I'm with you like this, this roster movement at the end of the season happening the way that it does uh, teams that are playoff teams getting put at a disadvantage, you know, not to cry for Alabama, but you know, Alabama certainly was there at the end of the season, made a coaching change, put him in a weird spot uh, from a roster perspective. It's just, it's not ideal the way it sits right now. And I guarantee you, but I will say this, it happened to Alabama the way that it did. I guarantee you will speed things up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why. Yeah. That's why it's going to yeah. change. Because we'll Alabama's like, wait a second. We don't like this. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so, again, everyone in the SEC is laughing at Bama right now. But it's gonna, it could be you next year. And that's why things are going to change pretty quickly. Yeah, it's going to speed uh, it up. Uh, but you, you can't have the draft, free agency, your playoff, and your coaching carousel all happen in the same three weeks. It's not It's not sustainable. It, it's, it. And it, why would you do that? I, I talked to a coach the other day that said, right now, like you try to evaluate, you're taking a snapshot and just hoping. Like you kind of are looking at stats of a guy and a little bit of character and just like hoping to God that he fits your program. 
Well, it's funny. So it, I, I work for Athlon Sports since 07. We do those anonymous coaching mm-hmm. scouting reports. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. And, and so I, when you go talk to these coaches, you, you guarantee, hey, look, this is going to be anonymous, and they give you some good stuff. Yeah. Here's the problem. Coaches don't know shit anymore no. about about personnel. Like because they the changes too much. No, they don't know anything. So the only people that know anything are like these analysts that work on these teams. Again, that private equity would cut because those would be viewed as like inefficient uses of resources. But the people that actually are scouting teams on your schedule, like in February and March, are not the head coaches. Mm-mm. Like they're, they're not at all. Like Hugh Freeze said it. I didn't even game plan for the Maryland game. I was just recruiting the whole time. Like you're. If you ask a head coach right now today to break down the teams on his schedule, he can't do it. And it's not because he, he's not capable. It's because he can't actually do it. Like he has there's no, no idea who he's playing. He, he doesn't know, know his team. He doesn't know. His, so they're studying nope. like they're studying tendencies, right? They're studying like. So like if you're um, if you've got Kentucky on your schedule, you might be looking at like Brock Vandegrift and you might be looking at Bush Hamden. You might be looking at tendencies. But you're not like studying no, what they actually can do because they don't. Nobody knows where the strengths and weaknesses are going to be. So we're we, we're having a tough time putting together accurate scouting reports from these coaches because you talk to a coach and they're oh, like, "Dude, I don't, I don't even know. read like I don't read the magazines as much as I used to." Nowadays, I just like to look at them for stats and schedules and depth charts the best they can get it because. Yeah. It's impossible. I mean, it's yeah. it's a it's an impossible thing. You almost have to wait till like two weeks before the season to put out a preview magazine. It's yeah. wild. Uh, a couple of quick things here before we let everybody go. And again, please share the show if you like what you hear. Subscribe on YouTube. Give us a like on on uh, Twitter. Retweets, posts, shares, all that good stuff. Five star review. Uh, if you do not give us a five star, you are a hater. Uh, so please yeah. review us there. You can you can check us out SEC Football Live anywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, it's on the feed as well. Uh, and of course, we'll have some more set routine times and stuff like that with the show. But uh, uh, we've got some changes coming up. So Alabama elevates Nick Sheridan, who was the offensive coordinator. He's the offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach now. Uh, he was the IU at Indiana coordinator from 20 to 21. He worked at, at Washington under Kalen DeBoer as a tight ends coach. And he elevated Jamarcus Shepard, of course, technically to co-OC, assistant head coach, wide receiver guy. He was at Purdue for a number of years and then was at Washington last year as a wide receivers coach. So coaching all those elite wide receivers, developing them. So uh, just quickly, your thoughts. It's it, This was yeah, kind of it's a the, comfort the hire. They're, yeah. they're late in the game. You know, we're so late right now in the process of guys that are coming and going. I think for him, the um, he's got a guy with play calling experience, you know, from his time at Indiana. Both of them. Know, yeah, both of them knows what what they what's to be expected. Was at Washington, I think for DeBoer it helps him sleep a little better, a little better at night. He knows exactly what he has from that perspective, and he doesn't have to go out there and reinvent the wheel. I know he wanted things to be a certain way. It is what it is. He lost the coordinator to the NFL, but I think this yeah. is the it's comfort for him. This is not getting too out of his skis where he doesn't really know what they're going to be doing offensively in the spring. And and honestly, like if this was, I'm trying to think, if this was Mike Elko, they had hired, I'd be far more worried about Ryan Grub, Grub leaving. But this yeah. is Kalen DeBoer's offense. And when you talk to people around the country and you say, who are the best offensive minds going right now in the game? A lot of them are like Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Kalen DeBoer, Lincoln Riley. Like those are the four names that people come up with all the time. And so I think I'm I'm comfortable if I'm an Alabama fan with you have you have a quarterback who's potentially going to be a star. I think he already kind of is. You've got a a, core, a head coach who completely builds the offense and has proven to win everywhere he goes. Yeah. And so while Alabama may not be an elite Alabama team either now or in the future, I still think ten and two is the new benchmark, and ten and two gets you into the playoff. And I think Alabama can go ten and two with Kalen DeBoer and Jalen Milrow this year. Yeah, Alabama's Alabama. Yeah. Alabama's Alabama. Alabama's not going to be Nick Saban, Alabama, but Alabama still is the brand that is Alabama, and they're going to yeah. be competitive. Yeah, they don't just die because Nick Saban left. Bama's too good from an infrastructure perspective. Just my advice to Kalen DeBoer: just stay away from the Panhandle. Just stay away from Florida, Bama, and you'll be yes. fine. Yes, you'll be fine. Um, all right, quickly, some two two rule changes in college football, and then we'll let everybody go here. Uh, potentially. I think one's going to happen and one's not. So they played with putting audio into the helmets in the bowl games, which again is what the NFL has done. High schools, frankly, do this stuff. The sidelines, no offense, Kirby Smart, I love you and I love your program, but your sideline is so obnoxious to watch on television because of all your stupid sheets you're holding up. 
So get rid of all that garbage. Make the yes. sideline clean and, and nice and easy to watch and fun to watch. Put the damn headset in the college football helmet. Yeah, there's already precedent. It, it works. It works. Did you did you know in the bowl game they were allowing the coaches to talk to the players throughout the entire play? Yeah, it was wild. That's so stupid. That is. It's wild, though. Juke. <laughs> Spin. Yeah. R, R1. 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 Juke. <laughs> Turbo. Turbo, damn it. Faster. Can you see? You see Shane Beamer. It's kind like, of like a crew chief, to... though. Like if you're a running back, it's almost like having a crew chief. Like, got a guy coming to your left, coming to your left, blindside, blindside. cut it up right, cut it car up. high, car high, yeah, car high. Exactly, it's wild. <laughs> now we're gonna have crew chiefs in college football. Hot route, hot yeah, route. Exactly. <laughs> Holy no, cut, hell! Cut it off at ten seconds, like the like a normal football yeah, game. I, but uh, but let's remove let's remove the signaling from the sidelines. Yes. We don't we don't need the University we don't need of Tennessee Connor Stallions to happen again. I I don't need the University of Tennessee to have a red coach, a blue coach, a green coach, a yellow no. coach, and a purple no. coach. Just you can all wear orange and white. It's fine. That's it's fine. great. That would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm very much in favor of that. And what I've been told, that's absolutely going to happen. So we're going to have that. I think in college football. I don't think this is going to happen, and I've been told it's not going to happen. But a two minute warning is being debated right now, and I think a two minute warning actually is great. I would if it love does, that. It, yeah. We already have rules that change in the final two minutes of each half. Let's put a two minute warning in. We, we know how it functions. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's again, we have a precedent and it works. So <laughs> why not? And and ideally what they're saying is, is it would remove because you make it's a mandatory commercial break. You would remove actually one of the commercial breaks from the kickoff. You know what I'm talking about? Touchdown yeah, yeah. commercial, touchdown commercial, cool kickoff commercial. So you get rid of one of those like stupid ass moments where you're doing the, the, like one play, we're back. Oh, we're back. Yeah, yeah. Here's a kickoff that nothing happens yeah. in, and we're back to break. All right, so. No, I love uh, that. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. All right, so we just solved all the problems. College I football. hope so. Right there. What do you got? Tell everybody where they can find you, man. Um, well, my big one that I'm really excited about, if you have Sirius XM in eight minutes, you can listen to me on Sirius Ooh. XM NASCAR radio, uh, channel 90, RFK uh, racing, backstretch banner with RFK racing. I'll be doing a show with Chris Busher. Uh, and my normal gig is Monday through Friday, full ride, Sirius XM at 9 o'clock Eastern time, uh, 8 Central on Channel 84 with Rick Neuheisen. There you go. At Childers Radio, of course, on the Twitter machine as well. Uh, I have a feeling you'll be seeing his face around these parts maybe a little bit more uh, than uh, than we have in the past. But it's good to talk to you, man. And um, we've got lots of music festivals coming up. I got Billy yes. Strings. I got Billy Strings Ooh. coming up on, on Friday night That's here in Nashville. One. Uh, I got Neil Young coming up. Uh, I got really Tyler. Good. I got Tyler Childers coming up. That's so a good one too. If you listen to you, Chris and I talk, you're going to hear lots of college football, lots of stupidity, and lots of music. So love that. There you, there you go. Thank you guys for all listen, all you guys for listening and hanging out. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Give us a subscription. Lots of other great stuff over on the 440 Sports YouTube page as well. I've got a deep dive with T Bob Abear into LSU's playoff upside in 2024. Uh, I've got David Waters from Gators Breakdown over there, Paul Feinbaum on the future of the conference. So lots of cool stuff over there. So make sure you give us a subscription and come by and say hello. Other than that, thank you for listening. Uh, Chris, always a pleasure, my good friend. Thank good you, to be, sir. Good Roll to be time. with you here. Good to be with you, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. For Chris, I am Braden. We'll talk to you guys next week.